everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring the crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 all-star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. So, Mr. McCorkin, how are we doing today? Great. John Wellborn, Power Athlete founder and CEO. Thanks for joining me on Power Athlete Radio today. <laughs> I thought you were joining me on Power Athlete Radio. I'm always with you, big guy. We, ah, thanks, dude. You are, you know, people like you, they do grow on trees. I don't get it. You never saw Ford Fairlane? No, I have no idea what that is. <sighs> I was going to say you are... Dude, Ford Fairlane uh, was a movie that came out probably like late 80s, early 90s that my brother saw, yeah. starring Andrew Dice Clay. I like him. And uh, so Dice is in there. Um, who As it? Dice? Uh, yeah, he he the... pretty much plays himself, a.k.a. Ford Fairlane. Um, I think it's Lauren Hutton, uh, who was uh, Jim Carrey's wife, ex-wife maybe. Oh, from Dumb and Dumber? Is yes. That... yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, no, is it from Dumb and Dumber? I yes. thought that yeah. was his wife. Yeah, yeah from, from Dumb and Dumber. She's in it. And uh, it's got like um, Wayne Newton's in it. And so... <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay plays Ford Fairlane, the rock and roll detective, and there's Holy a whole shit. missing person deal. I've never heard uh, of this. Like the and I'm I'm totally just pulling on memory here, but he's searching for a girl named Zuzu Petals, and uh, she's the girlfriend of Vince Neil, who's a rock and roll guy who gets murdered by Wayne Newton, who's playing a shady uh, record executive, and uh, it's a great movie. But oh in there, my Gilbert Godfrey is like his buddy and he's a shock jock and he shows up because he's searching for the Zuzu pedals and he's like, ah, she's my daughter. And in it, that's where you get the whole thing where you toast and you're like, here's to you. It comes from that. My brothers and I would always be like, here's to you. And then as soon as they say it, they both look at each other and go suck in my dick and then they drink. So that's why my brothers and I, whenever we toast, we're always like, ah, oh, here's to you. Mm, mm, here's to you. Mm. And then he looks and he's like, Johnny, people like you, they do grow on trees. And uh, there's just a whole bunch of terrible one-liners that only Dice could pull off in Ford Fairlane. So I have to watch this. And I, I pull up the, the IMDb as we're looking now. This looks You've never heard of this? No. Never. Oh, man. So, so the other day, uh, somebody commented on something on Facebook. And I went in there and I said to the guy, I'm like, hey, man, uh, if you got to ask Big Man, you can't afford it. The guy was like, I could totally afford it. I'm like, you never saw Beer Fest? Seriously. He's like... Oh, that's a little before my time. I'm in my mid thirties, and I was oh, like, "No, <laughs> no." First I off, s- no. swear to God, that was the interaction, and my thing was like, "You need to get out of your mom's basement a little bit more." No, okay, mid thirties. I too am mid thirty, and beer fest was very much part of the repertoire in college. Yeah, and uh, into the actual Oktoberfest. Well, adventures. I think if you're like a you know hobo in Indiana, that you know best thing in his life is his Duramax truck, then I think like things like Beer Fest, which would be, you know, bringing notoriety to Oktoberfest and that type of stuff, it's outside your, you know, it's just outside your scope. No, I'm, Beer Fest is 2006. I am the age group target audience male for that time frame, dude, like. Dude, I know, I know. I mean, the the Broken Lizard crew, uh, you know, uh, Super Troopers, Beer Fest, I mean, those movies were. I mean, still are like in in rotation for me, 
but for Ford sure. Fairlane needs to enter. So you got to go look for Andrew Dice Clay, Ford Fairlane. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, go and watch it. And maybe you'll catch a glimpse of My Brother's Knife, one of our favorite movies when we were growing up. What year is it? It's got to be like 1990. 90. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I can't believe this exists. The whole tagline is the Mr. Rock and Roll Detective. Yeah. And this then, and, so and then my favorite line, or my favorite part is when he's at the bar, uh, the guy like, uh, uh, like goes to make his drink, which I think is a Zambuca milkshake. And uh, the guy like throws him the drink and he goes to drink and he's like, not thick enough, but getting there. And the guy's like, ah, like make it like who the fuck orders a Zambuca milkshake? Like, first of all, if there's ever, uh, if you're ever at a bar and you ask for a blended drink, you're going to be pretty sure that the uh, bartender spits or urinates in there. No bartender wants to make fucking mixed drinks. Um, unless, unless they're a mixologist. Unless you're at like a place that actually like, hey, margaritas. Oh, blended margaritas. Like you're at like fucking Chili's or uh, uh, I don't Shenanigans? know. Shenanigans? <laughs> the place with all the shit on the walls? <laughs> hey, wait, what's that place you like with all the goofy shit on the walls? Shenanigans? Oh! <laughs> I'm going to pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. <laughs> Yeah, but our shenanigans are cheeky and funny. His are cruel. Uh, that is and from tragic. Super Troopers. For another those broken, of you out there. Another Broken Lizard production. Uh, yes. Right at it with the movie talk. Why? We'll, I mean, we were watching some movie previews before we uh, dude, let's go. Uh, you know, how much for a ZJ? If you got to ask Big Man, you can't afford it. And he's like all of a sudden digging his pocket. And he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. God, I love that movie. Yeah. But yeah, uh, check out a little Ford Fairlane, a little uh, uh, rock and roll detective. God damn. Dude, it's, it's, fucking, <laughs> it's a great movie. And so the the best is he's gone and they're trying to, there's a scalper selling tickets to like whoever, like Vince Neil, the rock star, like uh, selling tickets into his funeral. And like uh, all of a sudden he pulls up and he's like. Vince Neil, like Motley Cruz Mot- leasing? Yeah, he plays the, whatever, the famous oh, musician who right, dies. Gotcha, gotcha. So they're, uh, they're having like a huge thing at the Hollywood Cemetery and this guy's scalping and um, he like pulls up. He's like, thousand bucks. He's like, uh, you just charged those chicks $500. He's like, they blew me. And he's like, here's a thousand. <laughs> and then the best is he walks in and all these girls are putting on lipstick and he's like, am I the only one that paid full price? Like there are so many lines in that movie that have just been solid gold uh, through the years. So if uh, I'm a little nervous, if you watch that movie and Airplane, Blazing Saddles, Revenge of the Nerds, I'm not going to have anything funny anymore. So, I mean, at that point, it's pretty much just... Well, no, then becomes, here's the beauty of said movies and Super Troopers, and we displayed it here. We can just say the same lines over and over, (laughs) and it's still funny. Like, we got the same shtick no, with don't. my pals. No, 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 no. no, no. Our stick is uh, fresh and no, but, unrelenting. Uh, I guess you're right. But at the same, we can, I can walk right into a conversation with my pals, and it's the same old Joe Dirt movie lines and, you know, while watching Twister. Man, uh, speaking of Joe Dirt. Um, oh, the pod? Dude, the, the podcast we did with Joe uh, on Hyperbarics was epic. Uh-huh. I got a chance to go back and listen to that one. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to one of the most recent, what was it, episode? 488. 488 with, I just call him Joe Dirt, but it's Joe Dirate. Don't do you pre- try to French it up, John. <laughs> it's an Italian last name like Dirt. Dituri. Dituri. And man, I was going back and uh, started digging into a bunch of stuff on how to lengthen telomeres with like cold water therapy and hyperbarics. I mean, there's some really fascinating stuff on it. So yeah, we've been texting with uh, 
it was funny after that launched, I got a whole bunch of people that hit me up. Like when is power athlete opening a hyperbaric center in Austin? So I hit up Joe. I'm like, Joe, what do we got to do to make this happen? Because it would be great. I mean, a power athlete hyperbaric facility would be unbelievable. Oh yeah. Well, that's the future. The future. Just going to have to clean out the car shop. Uh, just build another one. Yeah, let's build another one. Half gym, half shop. Half or, I mean, half chamber. hyperbarics chambers. <sighs> be epic. What if we work out during it? Is that possible? Well, I think what we could do is we could pretty much skin that out. Um, there are these really dope uh, cold water tanks. I've been talking with the guy about potentially coming on the podcast that oh, are yeah. like standalone, but they do all their own water filtration. So you don't have to change the water and they make their own ice. And I was thinking it'd be cool to have like hyperbarics and cold water therapy in a facility and a gym and whatnot and basically just use it for ourselves. Sounds amazing. So the uh, the dude that came in, uh, uh, did the ceramic coating on my truck was like, hey, uh, how much do you charge uh, for personal training? And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, like I saw a bunch of people working out here. Like, what do you guys charge? I'm like, these are just my friends. This is for us. And he was like, really? Why? And I'm like, for that exact question. We have a big gym. We come train and we have our buddies come. Like Doc Parsley comes. Mm-hmm. You know, Nate's training with us. Charles shows up. Uh, we had a new intern today, potential new intern today. So it'll be good. Oh, yeah. Well, we're not all about ourselves, John. We'd love to give back to the community, which is why we do our crew episodes. Ah, And yes. what a smooth transition for today's I question. I am so stoked for our new crew episodes. We got two excellent questions on deck. We're going to nail this first one, and then we'll come back and crush the second one. Ready, ready? Let's do it. Hello, Power Athlete crew. I'm from South Dakota, and I have been a long-time listener. And I've taken the mind-blowing and life-changing methodology course. Can't say enough good about that, you guys. Awesome. I haven't jumped in to take a block one yet, but that is to come. Um, I do have actually have a question. When is an athlete too young to start taking supplements such as creatine, maybe even like a whey protein, ECAAs, those types of things? And the second completely unrelated question, when is John going to come out and admit that he is actually the penguin? Thanks, guys. Oh, boy. A lot to unpack here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I see you uh, stealing that Rob Wolf line. But, yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, one, he's from South Dakota, which I didn't know we had too many power athletes up in South Dakota. So oh, we got a couple block ones, hopefully three here soon, pal. You know, one of my uh, most fun experiences was actually going to the Black Hills. Uh, when I was in Kansas City, I drove up, went through the Black Hills, went to see the Geronimo, uh, you know, monument, also uh, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Uh, went down and played some, uh, used the casino in Deadwood, um, and I was ate dinner. I was told in the seat that Wild Bill Hickok got shot at with his dead man's hand. Hence the reason I have the boots with the uh, aces and eights, dead man hand on. So for that very reason, uh, have you seen the show Deadwood mm-hmm. HBO? Oh yeah, pretty fucking great. Oh yeah, no, it's ex- excellent. Um, okay, so a lot to unpack. Uh, supplements too young. So obviously, let's look at the word supplement. The supplement is to supplement the primary. So my first question is, how's the kid eating? Um, You know, like I wouldn't even get into a conversation of supplements with even an adult unless we'd figured out the primary. Like, what does your food look like? Um, You know, are you eating enough protein? Where are your carbs coming from? Uh, What kind of fats are you, you know, consuming? Uh, Those feel like lower hanging fruit. And are you tracking your macros? Are you being intelligent and rotating and mixing different protein sources, but different carb sources? Um, and from there, if you wanted to supplement, 
and I recommend this for all of our clients and the people that reach out to me, instead of randomly just taking supplements, you need to get some micronutrient testing done and figure out where you're deficient. Um, you know, we've been dealing with some stuff with my little boy and, you know, just got him a bunch of testing and found that uh, there was no traceable chromium in his system. What is chrome? Chromium, it's a mineral. So it helps glucose enter the cell and helps your body efficiently use insulin. So, uh, like now he's got a supplement with some chromium and we got to figure out some supplement. But the only reason that we know this is because we've done some micronutrient testing and kind of looking for some other issues. So, uh, I don't, I'm not overly excited for you to be pumping a 10 year old full of branch chain aminos, which if you go read the research, um, is pretty conclusive that if you're eating a high protein diet, branch chain amino acids are pretty much useless. So if he's eating like five grams of protein a day, then they might be a benefit. But if the kid's eating a high protein diet, which I recommend for most kids uh, to eat a high protein diet, you know, moderate fat and, you know, moderate carb, uh, you know, so um, uh, on that situation. So if creatine you wanted to add, that's another interesting one. I really think every vertebrae on the planet should be consuming creatine. And actually Rob Exline and I had a really good chat. He did a pretty decent write-up, which I was on the process of writing an article on creatine. And then we collabed and talked and I was like, okay, hey, here's my information. Just you write it. And uh, there's some pretty fascinating stuff with creatine content in meat that is cooked versus dried. So dried like jerky. Yeah, dried has a higher creatine content. Ah, interesting. um, And the contention, and I, I read this somewhere and I'd never read it anywhere else and it wasn't in a scientific research paper or, or anything of reputable. I think actually the guy that said it was kind of a bullshitter, but he made an interesting point that uh, creatine content is higher in fast animals like deer and wild animals, things that can run fast than it is in what like grazing slower animals like cows that stand around. And I'd never read that, asked Rob to do a little research and he came back and was like, hey, uh, I couldn't find anything to support that, but there's some really interesting information about cooking meat versus drying meat. Whereas if you think about, uh, you know, before, you know, before the advent of uh, refrigeration, either you cooked the meat and ate it or you dried it for later. So it might be an interesting indication of maybe ramping up creatine. But I think, I mean, I started taking creatine when I was 14 years old and uh, had pretty much taken five to 10 grams or, you know, five to 10, t- two teaspoons, which I think is 10, 10 grams. Uh, of creatine every day since I was 14 years old. And so what's that, 30 years? So um, would I be too excited to dump a bunch of creatine on your 10-year-old? No, is it going to hurt him? No, but I think it's got some really interesting stuff in terms of ATP and, uh, you know, brain protectants. And I think we're going to look, and I think the research is already coming out, that if you want to starve off all these different, uh, you know, age-related diseases that are hitting people, I think creatine's a great place for it. And is there an age recommendation for that would it be like the high school when they start lifting weights or is weights have anything to do with it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, obviously I think, um, you know, taking creatine and lifting weights is a benefit. So, I mean, I really wouldn't start messing with that stuff until I'm 14 years old. And I think at that point, uh, you know, things like, uh, I had somebody hit me up and asked about vitamin D supplementation for kids. And I was like, how much outside time are they getting? Like there's some really fascinating stuff. Uh, there's a pretty interesting research article I just read that Jim Laird forwarded me that talked about uh, morning sunshine and like actually going and putting your feet on grass and like mm. sitting outside with direct sunlight as a way to like help set circadian rhythms relating to gut health wow. and uh, insulin sensitivity and all these things, which 
you know, in the realm of science seems kind of hokey, like, oh, really direct sunlight? And you're like, uh, it kind of makes sense. Well, and even we've, I can't recall the podcast, but someone spoke to the value of vitamin D and then mm-hmm. not wearing sunglasses, meaning it's filtered yep. through the eyes to then. That's why I stop wearing sunglasses a lot. I only wear them when I drive, but I, I tend to not wear them outside anymore for that reason. Well, I, I do it when I coach so I can have dramatic effect in the huddle speaking mm-hmm. to the guys. Do you wear a whistle? Oh, uh, not during games. During practices, 100% on the whistle. That is, I mean, how we manage and uh, breaking up the practices because we have multiple coaches there, assigning a manager for a drill, and then having a coach because we ran into people. It was overcoaching 100%. Mm. And then you're like, the next kid doesn't get to go in the drill. Gotcha. So split it up that way. But yes to the whistle because somebody needs to manage the experience and keep these kids more opportunities than our words at the level I'm at. So the other one I would check for kids is uh, sodium content. So, I mean, obviously we put a ton of uh, element in all of our kids' stuff, and I think that's great, especially for performance. Um, I mean, you know, as I go back and I think about some of the recommendations that were made when I was a kid, you remember like, oh... (laughs) You know, uh, like you don't, don't want, remember, like you, you don't want to eat imagine. fat because, you know, fat will make you fat and you don't want to have sodium because that'll bloat you. I mean, it was just like, I, like we couldn't have been more fucking wrong in, oh, yeah. in a lot of these recommendations. The snack wells generation. Well, don't you remember too the, oh, you know, uh, uh, if you eat too much red meat, it's going to, you know, raise your cholesterol, which is going to, you know, uh, you know, increase your saturated fat and give you heart disease. Mm-hmm. Like so many of these things were just fucking conjecture and absolute bullshit that we know that it's fucking dead wrong. We could not be more wrong. And I think uh, all it's done is drive us into managed healthcare and fucking living a life that's tied to pharmacology. I'm going to very quickly try to find, remember the email that I forwarded you? I was coaching at a high school, mm-hmm. a private high school in Washington, DC. Yeah, I land base of that mom. Uh, yeah. And uh, I essentially provided the power athlete diet, eat with abandon, protein, carbs, fats, and earn your carbs. Fat on the plate does not equal fat on the waist. And eggs was a big contention from these a mother. She was a, a working, I forget what she context at the... At the I, I want to say she worked at some age. So she, she wasn't trained in uh, like anything to do with nutrition, but the company or the, the government American agency. American Heart Association. Yeah. Yeah. So it was American Heart Association, but she just happened to be an employee versus mm-hmm. a like a representative or a, a scientist there. And I was recommending these to the kids and sending them home, like, don't eat your mom's diet. Like, yeah. I was pretty harsh with my, or uh, pretty sharp, I won't say harsh, pretty mm. sharp with my directives in terms sure. of nutrition. And then had to bring this up to the AD and then reference Lalonde, yeah. Inclodon, and the, the resources so brought you in for that. That was an interesting experience. Uh, yeah. I mean, if the American... Uh, heart association was prescribing something that was actually working it wouldn't be one of the major you know top three killers of people in this country i mean their recommendation of statins and you know uh high carb uh you know low fat diets i mean it's fucking pretty much it's like the war on drugs we lost that one and we're losing this one um it's uh it's a pretty scary deal i mean especially if you like like if you just look at like the American Diabetes Association's recommendations for type one and type two diabetics, uh, you can even get a bigger glimpse into how far off this stuff is. So help 
bring that into scope. Like what, what are they recommending? And then is there a why? Can you perceive a so, why they're guiding these people this way? So what's interesting with type one diabetics, um, we, I, I read Dr. Bernstein's book called the diabetic solution and the American diabetes association recommends like a child, you know, uh, juvenile diabetes type one, you know, have 50 grams of carbohydrates per meal. So what they do is they dose them and they don't differentiate between carbohydrates, not like slow acting, fast acting. And it's pretty fascinating about, geez, 14 years ago, talk about how long ago this was, uh, I got my blood work done and my fasted blood glucose was in the 90s. And I remember Dr. Inkland on and I discussing it and, he, and his recommendation is when we get you a glucose meter and start testing this stuff. So I tested my blood before and after every meal, eight times a day for about eight months. And I had this really bitchin' journal of all the different foods that spiked uh, blood sugar and obviously would raise insulin. And, uh, you know, 50 grams of white rice was dramatically different than 50 grams of red wine versus 50 grams of sweet potatoes. Uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, gluten and, you know, a, a, a ton of stuff like, you know, grains really spiked me, dairy spiked me. So I started kind of using it as almost a test of being like, okay, when do I want to spike blood sugar and obviously raise, uh, raise insulin? And that was in the post-workout window. So I knew exactly what foods to eat in that post-workout window and then what foods to eat to actually maintain it. And then if I went out to dinner and I got spiked, I would just use a little technique called non-mediated glucose uptake, where if my blood sugar spiked, I just got on a assault bike and just rode for 20 minutes and my blood sugar would come right down. So uh, the goal was to try to keep my blood sugar around 80 all the time. And it, I mean, obviously it would spike in a post-workout, but how fast it got back to normal. And then the interesting thing is I always seemed to wake up a little high, like in like, I would always wake up at 90, 93, but as soon as I ate, my blood sugar would actually come down. Why do you feel that is? Uh, I don't know. So, uh, but yeah, that was a pretty fascinating one. And, uh, that was a year I was probably the biggest and leanest I ever was. So, uh, the interesting thing is when I could keep my blood sugar pretty consistently under 80, I didn't see it ever put on an ounce of fat. So, but, uh, so what they recommend, the diabetes association recommends for juvenile diabetes is 50 grams of carbohydrate per meal. And that then, feels pretty high. It is pretty high because, uh, you know, if you, let's say you have a five-year-old to try to get a five-year-old to eat 50 grams of carbohydrates, uh, they're not necessarily doing that from a sweet potato or, or this. I mean, you got to give them something extremely sugary, extremely dense, uh, to spike it up. And then what happens is blood sugar ramps up. And then you got to hit them with insulin to try to bring it back down. And uh, the other crazy thing is they don't calculate in, you know, say, say, hey, X amount of carbohydrates translates to this much insulin. They don't calculate uh, protein in their equation. So, I mean, you know, their thought is fat and protein don't really have an insulinogenic effect. So, I mean, it's just there's a reason that type 1 diabetics typically, you know, that follow these recommendations make it 40, 50 years old. And that Dr. Bernstein's the oldest living diabetic on the planet, and he's 84, and goes through a really, really interesting thing. And he promotes a low-carb, uh, high-protein diet for these kids. And if you get on and you look at like the Facebook pages and a bunch of the information, the kids that follow Dr. Bernstein's are all uh, protocol, are all pretty lean and in good shape. The, ki uh, the kids that follow the American Diabetes Association have like three times greater chance of being obese than the average American which is pretty much guaranteed. And the, like the life expectancy and the problems encountered are pretty high. So, I mean, just some of the stuff like that, I mean, I mean, we're still working off a broken food pyramid. 
and the recommendations. Like we saw that mom who came at me, who came at you and, uh, you know, eventually came at me with uh, pretty vicious to the point where like, hey, if you're going to come at me and be that fucking rude, I'm going to come at you, you know. But if you come and you want to have an interesting, you know, uh, uh, adult conversation. But as we found so many times with nutrition, it's, it's like religion. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, food is a religion to people. I mean, look at the paleo zealots. I mean, I remember the first time Rob Wolf and I discussed the paleo diet. It made a ton of sense. And then the problem is all the fucking paleo zealots jumped on and it just felt really like strange. And, uh, you know, Matt Long gave a great talk at the Ancestral Health Symposium, which is like, hey, if you want this paleo diet to be taken seriously, you're going to have to like remove a lot of the magic and a lot of the fucking weirdos. And they didn't like that. But I mean, look at the carnivore diet. I mean, look at all these diets and it's pretty amazing because, you know, but like the vegans are as bad as the carnivore people. So it's, I mean, I, I'll, I'd rather party with the carnivores because at least I know we're going to have a good steaks and barbecues, but like there's, you know, there's a middle road for this stuff and it's about finding some balance and then pushing yourself out to the rails based upon, you know, what's happening to you. Like, I mean, obviously like the, you know, the type one, you know, you follow a Bernstein approach, high protein, low carb makes a ton of sense. But for the average healthy person, it's probably an isocaloric diet. Um, I always said, dude, if you're so metabolically broken that the only thing you can digest is one food, meat, we have some bigger gut issues. And if you're using that to try to fix some gut issues or like, you know, the, uh, like leaky gut or, you know, a ton of, uh, you know, problems within the gut, then you know what? It makes a ton of sense. But taking healthy people and recommending them to only eat meat, I don't think it works. Well, the, it's a similar fallacy in which like, hey, John, I, I'm having this issue. What supplements do you take? Mm-hmm. And then you recommend that. It's like you doing the same thing, recommending that elimination diet just because it worked for you. Well, uh, but elimination diets make sense if you have some testing to back it up. Every time I do my blood uh, or I I do my um, food allergy panels, I'm always like uh, on the the high side for dairy. I'm always like uh, um, on the high side for soy, for gluten. And like I go through and like it's been this way for like 25 years. So... What do I do at the end of the day? I just don't eat gluten and I don't have soy and I really, really limit dairy, maybe occasionally some cheese um, and except around Christmas when we have eggnog. But for the most part, man, I just don't drink milk. And I, I drank a ton as a kid. It's just the fact that, you know, the food allergy panel comes back and now I've kind of, you know, tritrated my diet to fit the foods that actually work with my system the best that, don't, that I'm not reactive to. And then I rotate things out and I try to have variety with my protein and, uh, you know, variety with carbs and, you know, try to keep my blood sugar from fucking spiking up, you know, to 300. And um, I think there's an interesting piece with that. So what are some check-ins a parent or a coach of these athletes can check in with? Because if you were checking glucose right away coach can't necessarily administer that for an athlete. So uh, is it feelings? Is it, is it gas? Like, uh, hey, if this kids, if this is giving you gas, avoid it. Yeah, I mean that's a telltale one for my kids. Like, if I see them eat and then all of a sudden their guts get really distended and then they go and they go nasty number two, I'm like, because I always ask them like, uh, they're like, oh, I went went poop, and I'm like, oh, how'd it look? You know, like how did smell? You know, I always give try to hit them with questions. And my son's pretty funny. He's like, smelled bad, looked bad. I'm like, all right, well, I figure we found something you probably shouldn't be eating. And uh, I found pretty, kids are pretty sharp. Like, if they eat something and it doesn't agree with them. They won't eat anymore, whereas we'll just keep eating. Yeah. 
It must like, have been something else. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, it couldn't have been the this food. This tastes delicious. Yeah, no. Um, I think kids are pretty resilient in that way. But uh, I think the the interesting thing, and um, I just saw uh, somebody hit this question on Facebook. Do you feed your kids different than you feed yourself? So, you know, like mm. let's say you're, uh, uh, you know, gluten-free and this is how you eat and, you know, you're following kind of a paleo-esque diet and, you know, you're, you know, high protein, what it looks like. And then all of a sudden you're just feeding your kids fucking fish sticks. So what I found with kids is if you make the same thing you're eating and then you put it out for them, I use my mom's method where it's like, this is what we're having for dinner. You can eat this or you don't have to eat and you can go to your room. So we don't make special meals for our kids. This is what they're having and uh, just kind of go from there. And for the most part, if they don't like it, they don't have to eat it. They'll eventually get hungry enough to eat it. I think we cater way too much. I agree. So, which leads us to the email that I found. Ah, uh, <laughs> I knew you were, you were pecking around on it. Read that shit. All right. Basically, uh, the information that I provided the parents was game day nutrition, and we were more of a, a steak, chicken, broccoli, and avoiding Gatorade. So it was pulling yeah. Gatorade away. Observation that I made as a coach was the the pregame meal. Imagine we're going on an away game. Mm-hmm. Parents are packing packing lunches and it was just the the crap you would imagine Mm -hmm. uh so recommending we switch vegetables and cheeses yeah we recommending chicken broccoli like let's get a volunteer parent in there it was a private school so we had some uh some resources at our disposal uh but mentioned eat with abandon protein uh carbohydrates uh i mean john what quick pregame carbs would you recommend avoiding the spaghetti dinners yeah i mean uh white rice oats uh we would do sweet potatoes um you know some form of vegetables um you know yucca fries i mean it, you know there's a lot of really good stuff i mean we do yucca fries in the air fryer we do sweet potatoes in the air fryer i mean brussels sprouts i mean just any cruciferous vegetables pretty good yeah and imagine that john wellborns and i'll link this up in the show notes just tell me what to eat sure blog Pulled a lot from that to provide this tool for the parents, whoever was making the meals. And this is the response we got. Uh, Coach, I'd be interested in knowing the source for the attached. I work for the food and nutrition service at the USDA. That was it. Although I'm not a nutritionist, I do know that this is not entirely in line with the recommendation in the dietary guidelines for Americans. And disclaimer, this is 2016. Um not in line with the recommendations for the dietary dietary guidelines for Americans or the work of the National Academy of Sciences has done around nutrition standards for children and teens. For example, whole milk is only recommended for infants below the age of two because they specifically need those fats for brain development. Beyond that, only fat-free and low-fat milk is recommended due to the high levels of saturated fat. I was having the guys, uh, you know, the little milk cartons. Sure. I was pushing them for whole milk versus the the low fat or the chocolate option. That's what that's what I was recommending in there. <clears throat> uh, my son mentioned last fall that there was some discussion of nutrition within the football program. I can't remember the example he gave, but I do remember being a little alarmed by what he was told. With the obesity ed- epidemic in this country, good nutrition and accurate nutrition education is vital, and it's something that concerns me about youth sports. If children are going to get messages about nutrition through their school and athletic programs, they should be receiving information that is science-based and focused on lifelong health, 
rather than short-term effects to create the body type that is valued by a particular sport. Uh, duh, duh, duh. Yeah, and then some a little extra meaning like, hey, my son would be appalled if he knew I was writing this. Yeah, well, she would be embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope you told them. Uh, no, no. That, that would be a bad move, discriminating. <laughs> uh, the kid's got to suffer enough. At, he's got to live with this hey, woman. Hey, uh, I, I got an email from your mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. But uh, then... Reminds me, I told you the story in college when we all like, came up to the... Uh, you know, we played on Saturday and we had a Sunday meeting. And uh, yeah. my coach came up and was like, hey, you guys are all, you know, men, right? You're not a bunch of fucking, you know, like basically berated us. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we're men. And he's like, Kirsten Sheridan, you're a fucking cunt. And like Kirsten looks at this. He's like, I just got off the phone with your mom. She called and motherfucked me for you not getting any playing time yesterday. Yeah. And this is like a 21, 22-year-old kid. And dude, uh, we were like, everybody was like, oh, God. And like the look on his face was like, mom. He probably left there and fucking called his mom and lost his fucking mind. It's great. Yeah. But our, the follow-up was specific research articles that did support and at immediate, like right before this, uh, the USDA did change their guidelines and were moving closer towards the, uh, the, the good view of fat in that. So, so uh, Ansel Keys did the seven-country study. I think it was in 1959. And during that study, they... He vilified saturated fat as a leading cause for heart disease. The interesting thing about it is they found out a couple years ago, maybe five, ten years ago, that the sugar lobby paid him $10,000 cash to put the blame on saturated fat and obviously animal-based proteins and whatnot instead of putting it on sugar. And so that seven-country study gets released. About six months after that comes out, another study comes out refuting all the claims. Nobody told anybody or nobody give a fuck and the drug companies just went into this idea of low you know low fat and that uh you know and would you know we went to that with statins and cholesterol and all these other issues and for the most part we have been on that train since like the late six or early 60s and all we've seen is this in oh. decline in physical health and um you know it's like you know at the end of the day calories in calories out makes sense so i mean you know it, it's just a simple equation you know, if you burn more than you're consuming, but I think, uh, you know, that makes sense until it doesn't. And then you start looking at it and being like, you know, food choices make sense. Uh, you know, are you eating a high protein diet? You know, where are your carbs coming from? I mean, if we're looking at blood sugar and how fast this ramps it up, I mean, it's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty easy to figure out like, hey, what foods are the ones I want to kind of gravitate towards? Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if you are in calorie negative calorie balance, you will lose weight. But, uh, um, you know, how many people are going to be in that situation? So there's some really, I mean, right, right now, like the whole insulin paradox, you know, uh, like Jason Fung and all that, I think, uh, as I read it, I know it's been kind of disproved, but there really is something, especially if you, that's kind of why I got geeked on the type one, type two diabetes thing. I mean, it's very, very real for these kids that certain types of carbohydrates, yeah. And a low-carb diet works very well for diabetics and type 1 diabetes. So where should we start for our caller here? Check their protein to make sure yeah, before we I, even add supplement? Yeah, I think uh, if the kid's eating a high-protein diet, he's probably farther ahead than everybody else. What are the carbs he's getting? Where are they coming from? Um, if you're going to start supplementing, are you monitoring his calories? What's the end goal? Uh, is he getting you know uh, as much outside time as possible? 
uh, you know, as he's running around, you know, with his feet in the in the dirt and in the uh, in the grass as much as possible. And then, um, you know, what's the goal? You know, why do you want to give him creatine? Why do you think you need to supplement him? If you want to get some micronutrient testing done on your kid and see where he's deficient, and uh, you know, people think, oh, it's kind of hokey, but this goes back to Tom uh, Inkledon and I's discussion a hundred years ago. The food was way more nutrient dense than it is today. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're just eating this good diet. How do you really know that you're getting all the nutrients? Now, for us who are already grown, it's obviously uh, an issue. But think about kids with these really developing systems. That's why I kind of got geeked on it, sort of testing our kids because I wanted to know where they were micronutrient deficient and what things. I mean, if my son has no remarkable amount of chromium in his system, but eats a diet that's high in chromium, you know, like red meat and vegetables and all that, what's going on? Is there a gut? Uh, you know, is there um, inflammation within the gut that's blocking up the receptor sites? So that the, you know, these nutrients can get absorbed and then you take a look and like, okay, what could be causing this? So I mean, maybe it's a dairy allergy. So we cut out dairy and we'll see how that works. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, no, it's uh it's a constantly moving thing. And I think it goes back to the soil and the way food is raised today. Mm-hmm. The food is not, it's probably a 10th of what it was. So that's uh that's a kind of a scary deal. So when I think of supplementing, I'm like, okay. Uh, what, what does it look like and what supplements do we need to kind of fill in so that these kids continue to grow and be healthy and, you know, fill out to be, you know, stable, intelligent, contributing humans. And there you go. There you go. And the second part of that question, John, am I the penguino <laughs> for our oh, listeners fuck. that so, are new yeah, to Power Athlete Radio? How did you describe your best friend? Uh, <laughs> I call him the Kirby Jenner of Power oh. Athlete. So... Uh, if power athlete is Kylie Jenner, the penguin is Kirby Jenner. So, uh, there's a, oh, there he is. Yeah. The premier penguin. Good thing. You know, actually it's part of the reason we got rid of the ing, ing, ing. Cause of the penguin. Yeah. You know, um, uh, check Instagram. If y'all search premier penguin, he'll pop up. Yeah. He'll pop up. And, uh, I'm surprised that he's been able to kind of keep it going as long as he has. Uh, well he hashtags no quit in his bio he's too and he links to <laughs> he links our link tree yeah gosh this guy i mean uh, like it's free marketing it could be heptonstall uh and an intentionally bad photoshop job well the problem is is that harry would never photoshop uh, my face <laughs> with that color he would at least match the colors but maybe he's doing it to try to keep us off yeah maybe and i mean harry did like this photo john as dalton the double deuce with the be nice well, that's uh, pretty good how he got my hair in there, but that's still Dalton's hair because uh, I haven't had that hairstyle in a couple of years. Yep, and all over Zach Ebenesh. Oh, and yeah. the ladies' man. The ladies' man loves Cavassier. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that's actually my personal favorite is us dressed up as Nickelback. God damn it. Uh, you look beautiful with that hairstyle. Yeah, I and mean, Chad Kroger is a golden god. Is he wearing a cod piece? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think that's just the type of jeans. I mean, Tex, don't you have bedazzled jeans like that? Uh-huh. They get right up in the, there's yeah. a U. All if you've high. seen the Wrangler commercials <laughs> and Brett Favre, it's, it's a comfort U. Uh, Drew Brees, I Brett like Favre, all these other athletic dudes. Yeah. Just uh, rocking that. The, I have an answer to this question. The Penguin is Colin Farrell. Oh, have you seen the new Batman? Oh, yeah. Man, I'm not a fan of the 
what is it? Uh, Robert Pattinson. Pattinson from the Twilight movies. But I am a fan of that director, and the clip looks sick for the new Batman. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I wasn't on the Robert Pattinson train until I saw Tenet. And if we get that Robert Pattinson instead of the Twilight what, Pattinson. What's the Tenet? The Tenet is Christopher Nolan's latest flick with Denzel Washington's son. So the main character is Denzel's son plus Robert Pattinson as his like Robin, mm-hmm. basically. It's pretty fucking awesome. Oh, Imagine okay. Christopher Nolan's mind-bending, time-warping shtick. fucking legit. Yeah. Oh, it's worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, it's on HBO right now. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my thought. Colin Farrell is just a, a fan of Power Athlete Radio, and now he's embodying it on screen. Uh, I like your theory. Well, you know, I mean, we've gone through uh, a, f- a couple different, you know, ideas on who the penguin could be wrong every time i have a feeling that we don't even know the penguin you think so so someone i bet you we don't know the the penguin yeah just somebody from the internet is basically pulling a a kirby jenner on us he he's and he's trying to enter and and he has we've given him more than like five minutes of discussion so he basically is the kirby jenner power athlete which you know what thank you yeah man i mean it's like if imitation is the the best form of flattery, I don't know what this is. Well, he's, but I feel he's, better than the people yeah. that imitate us. Well, he's not that creative. So, but I think I mean if he was Kirby Jenner, I mean I'd take Kirby Jenner as a uh, as a troll any day. For those of you that don't know, you must follow at Kirby Jenner. It's Kylie Jenner's twin brother. <laughs> uh, For reals, it's it's pretty funny, dude. I mean, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Worth it. All right. Asked and answered. My friend in South Dakota will see you at the block one soon. And until then. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time. Bye!